Our gospel lesson for today is from John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh God, you have searched me through and through. And so now may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When was the last time you had an epiphany? After all, we are still in the season of Epiphany here at Highland and in the church calendar. It will lead us all the way to Lent, actually. The Greeks defined an Epiphany as a divine appearance brought to them by the gods. Writer James Joyce defined it as a sudden spiritual manifestation and the most delicate and evanescent of moments. And Maya Angelou said that an epiphany is what happens when the mind, body, heart, and soul focus together and see one thing in a new way. Now, while it may be rooted in our Christian tradition, epiphany is a commonly used term. And yet, regardless of the context in which it is used, it is a term people still tend to treat with some degree of awe and reverence. When someone says, I had an epiphany, it means something new has sparked within them. Something clicked that hadn't before. They had a realization or a revelation that changed something for them. That's the thing about epiphanies. They never leave us where we are like the Magi, whose epiphany ultimately leads them to go home by another way, as we read in Matthew. However, the reality is that epiphanies, at least like the one that the Magi experience as they follow this bright star in the sky, well, they can be pretty rare, can't they? 
I mean, Moses is the only person in the Bible who actually had a burning bush epiphany to point out God's presence to him. There are so many more times when you and I are invited to follow God by faith without any kind of burning bush or bright star in the sky to guide our way. But I love how author Stephanie Rishi puts it. She says, most day there are no stars in the sky, no signs, no epiphanies. Most days I'm just treading along a dark path, half hoping, half praying that I'm headed in the right direction. Because what they don't tell you about epiphanies is that the star doesn't stay in the sky forever. After the Magi visited God incarnate, they headed back home to their own country, back to their ordinary lives. Maybe their hearts were irrevocably changed, but life went on. So what does it look like to live out epiphany even when there is no miracle at the moment and when the star has faded into the night sky? Well, in a lot of ways, that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of today's Old Testament reading that Renee read for us in 1 Samuel 3. The text is quick to point out in verse 1 that the word of the Lord was rare in these days, that visions of God were hard to come by. And it is within this context that Samuel has come to be raised in the temple to learn from Eli how to hear the voice of God. Except we quickly discover that Samuel doesn't even know when God's voice is calling him in the middle of the night. And when he hears someone call out his name, he quickly jumps out of bed, assuming it must be Eli. And so he runs to Eli's room and says, here I am. Is everything okay? What do you need? And Eli says to him, what are you talking about? I don't need you. Go back to sleep. This happens not once, not twice, but three times before Eli finally picks up on what's really going on. And so Eli tells Samuel to go back and to lie down. But if the Lord calls his name again, this time he is to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel does. And there in the middle of the night... At a time when words from the Lord were hard to come by, 11-year-old Samuel hears the voice of God calling to him. But I have to ask myself, were words from the Lord actually rare? Or is what is more rare simply our ability to hear them? After all, as Bible scholar Paul Hooker points out, although this is supposed to be a story about the rarity of the word of the Lord, the word is curiously abundant in this story. The Hebrew for word or a version of it actually occurs 15 different times in the story, more than twice the frequency of any other term. It is as though in a story about the scarcity of the word of the Lord, the word is literally lying about all over the place just waiting for someone to discover it. You see, we may think that epiphanies are rare, but perhaps what is uncommon is our ability to even notice when God is calling our name. 
And that's true not only for Samuel, but for all of us. I mean, we can critique Samuel in the story all we want, but if I heard someone call my name in the middle of the night as someone who lives alone, I can think of a lot of different responses I might have. And I can guarantee you that none of them would be to sit up in bed and to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Debbie Thomas points out that as modern and scientifically inclined people, we don't sit easily with voices and prophetic callings. But what would it take in our skeptical age to once again welcome the voice of God? What would it look like to retrain our secularized imaginations, to honor what we know of human psychology, and yet to hear the sacred when it breaks into our lives? Someone who did hear the sacred break into his life in a pretty profound way was the person we will be remembering tomorrow, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., King often spoke of having a life-changing epiphany of all places at his kitchen table. It was late on a Friday night, January 27, 1956. He and his family had moved to Montgomery in 1954 for him to become the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. King was only 27 years old at the time, and he had no intention of even getting involved in the civil rights protests that were happening across the nation until the Montgomery bus boycott began. King was asked to become president of the Montgomery Improvement Association, the pastor's group helping to lead the boycott. But when he accepted, he thought to himself, surely this could get resolved fairly quickly and he could go back to his normal life. However, two years later, tensions were escalating and it felt like they were getting nowhere. He had already been in jail once at this point for going 30 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone. He had actually submitted his resignation to the Improvement Association, but no one would accept it. He came home late one night after yet another strategy meeting, only to answer a phone call hurling vulgar words at him and threatening to kill his family. As King's wife, Coretta, and 10-week-old daughter, Yolanda, slept in the bedroom nearby, the voice on the other end of the line said, We're tired of your mess, and if you aren't out of town in three days, we're going to blow up your house and blow your brains out. Now, at first, King had tried to brush these calls off, but now he was getting 30 to 40 a day. And they were only getting worse. And so that night, King hung up the phone, walked to his kitchen, put on a pot of coffee with trembling hands, sank into a chair at his kitchen table, and wept. He once shared about this moment by saying, I was ready to give up. With my cup of coffee still untouched before me, I tried to think of a way for me to just move out of the picture completely without appearing to be some kind of coward. 
In the state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over my kitchen table and prayed. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory, he once said. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am so afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength or courage, they too will falter. But Lord, I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't do this anymore. And at that moment, in the middle of the night, King says, I experienced the presence of the divine in a way I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, he said, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared, and I was ready to face anything. Three days later, King's house was actually bombed while his family was still inside, although thankfully no one was hurt. Strangely enough, King later wrote, I accepted word of the bombing mysteriously calmly. My experience a few nights before had given me the strength to face it. News of this bombing soon drew a crowd in front of King's house. The community was rightfully upset and ready to fight back. But King climbed up to his shattered front porch and said to the crowd of people outside of his house, We must meet hate with love. Remember, God is with us and God is with this movement. There would be so many more times that King said it was that moment at his kitchen table that sustained him and carried him through the most difficult days ahead. To this day, people tour the King's Parsonage in Montgomery, Alabama, often asking if they can sit at that kitchen table where King had his epiphany that changed everything for him. Even the original coffee cups the family used are still in place. You can see a photo of the kitchen table linked in the comments today. But friends, I think the words God spoke to King at his kitchen table in 1956 are words that are just as timely for us to hear in January of 2021, aren't they? Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And God will be at your side forever. This is a significant week in the life of our country, and we are weary. We are anxious. We are angry. We are fearful. We bring so many things with us to this week. And I would imagine that many of us might want to put our heads down on the kitchen table in spiritual and mental and emotional and physical exhaustion. 
And perhaps you need to do that wherever you are today, at whatever metaphorical kitchen table may be there for you today. Turn off the news. Put down the phone. Close your Twitter feed. Stop doom scrolling. And as we named in worship a few weeks ago, let it be. My hope that is in these moments of exhaustion and fear, frustration and anxiety, you and I will be intently listening for the God who is still in the business of calling us by name, even when we are at our lowest and even when we least expect it. As Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us, sometimes those calls from God ring clear as bells, and sometimes they are barely audible. But in any case, we are not meant to hear them all by ourselves. It was part of God's genius to incorporate us as one body so that our ears have other ears, other eyes, minds, hearts, and voices to help us interpret what we've heard. Together we can hear our calls and together we can answer them. If only we will listen for that still, small voice that continues to speak to us in the language of our very lives. And so, friends, even as we are apart, as this community of faith at Highland Baptist Church May we continue to listen together for the voice that calls us by name in the night. And like Samuel and Eli, and like King, may we too have the courage to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen.